I'm Charles Epting from H.R. Harmer in New York City. And I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And I want to apologize to our listeners today, because even though this show <laughs> is called Conversations with Philatelists, okay. we're not speaking to a philatelist today. Right. Um, I'm going to explain a little bit of background, if that's all right, because yes, today's guest may seem like a, a curveball for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, before I ever collected stamps, because I didn't get into stamp collecting until I was in college, mm-hmm. um, I collected everything, books, fossils, dinosaurs, you name it. But my first love in life, Michael, mm-hmm. the thing that really got me hooked on collecting, mm-hmm. you know this. I'm not sure that anybody else listening knows this. <laughs> it was Star Wars Legos. Yeah. When I, I was, I think, five years old in 1999 when the Star Wars uh, license came into Lego's hands and they released Luke's Landspeeder and the X-Wing and, and Vader's TIE Fighter. And I was hooked. This is the same year The Phantom Menace came out in 1999. Mm-hmm. And I instantly had to have all of them. Yeah. And that same compulsion carries through to my stamp collecting. I've got an album of Irish stamps sitting over here and I have to have all of them. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those constants in my life. It feels like nothing has changed. When I start collecting, when I start trying to fill in every box or check everything off of a list, I'm instantly transported back to being five years old again. And I have those Star Wars Legos, many of which I still have somewhere in a box <laughs> and some of which I have since recollected. Um, so long story short, to, you know, wh- why am I t- telling this about my, my Star Wars Lego, uh, uh, you know, uh, fandom as a, as a child there's a youtube channel i watch called mnr productions mm-hmm. puts out great videos about lego star wars these videos get tens hundreds of thousands of views the lego star wars collecting community is incredibly active uh ryan mccullough of mnr productions is one of the leaders of the lego star wars community i was watching an episode a week or two ago and he made some offhanded comments about how we would love to speak on somebody's podcast And I thought, "Mm, we don't have a Lego Star Wars podcast, but we do have a collecting (laughs) podcast. We have a podcast about collecting something very different from Lego Star Wars, postage stamps. But it got me thinking, what are the similarities and the differences? Michael, you've been to stamp shows, right? Yes. (laughs) Not a trick question. You've been to stamp shows, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We've been together. What if I told you there were Lego conventions? Yeah. And there were competitions, just like there's competitions at a stamp show for the exhibiting the, okay. the builds get judged and, and there's a bourse and there's lectures and panels and then the lego shows but are just can, like a stamp show can i interject real quick you said the builds get judged isn't yes. it it's not on the front of the box i mean do they well yeah <laughs> people build their own customs they're called okay. mocks my own creation moc okay. mock like they've got their own lingo just like we've got our own okay. stamp lingo yeah. so people build their mocks and then they get them judged who put together the best you know uh robot or star wars landscape or mm-hmm car or something like that so yeah i wanted to talk to ryan again i want i've watched his youtube channel for years now uh during the pandemic last year his his channel was a huge part of what kept me occupied during the day and i thought this would be a good opportunity again on two levels on the one hand i will always be that little kid who remembers when the first lego star wars sets came out and i would take them to school and lose a piece on the playground like this is my this is who i was um, but on the other hand, now that you and I are both professionals in another collectible hobby, mm-hmm. I thought it'd be fun for us to just talk to somebody who is on the one hand similar, on the other hand, so radically different. Um, you yeah, know. so you, you pitched me this idea and what I what I found fascinating was you said this is his full-time job reviewing yes. Lego Star Wars sets. Yes, his sets YouTube or kits or... sets, exactly, sets and, and, and on, on YouTube. YouTube. 
That's yes. his. You said he was buying a house. He's that's his full time job. We're professional There's, philatelists selling stamps, but he doesn't even sell. He's not imagine, like a Lego. Imagine dealer. if we made conversations with philatelists our full time job. It would be. That, I mean, that's just the the hobby. There is so vibrant. I hear that there's enough information it, to soak up to 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 warrant this guy having a full channel that pays his his bills yes it shows you that collecting is not dead amongst young people collecting right. is not um you know again yes there's a million distractions and people can uh you know partake in any sort of hobby they want but yeah at the end of the day kids in particular and and young adults still want to collect they still want to own they still want to track down that last one that's missing from their collection mm -hmm. and i think that um again you know we we sort of have blinders on sometimes we get fixated on our stamp world and i think it'll be a lot of fun yeah. to talk to ryan and explore a totally different universe of collectibles yeah we it, were on a baseball card podcast we were yeah that was just a few weeks ago and and i think we forget it exactly i mean we had the coin show in the bottom of the uh, chicago show there right underneath and we had this some some crossover as far as the talks went some crossover as far as i saw people coming up with their uh with their coin badges on with the same similar aps badges so i mean yeah we forget sometimes that there's this crossover and people don't just have to collect one thing so i thought this was an interesting concept that you wanted to talk about what got you into collecting because I think I'm correct in saying, if not for Lego Star Wars, you would not be here today. I don't think I would be collecting stamps. It has yeah. been a lot of like soul searching for me that like yeah. if it wasn't for these sets coming out mm -hmm. when I was a kid, um, and, and there's something about a Lego set that's very orderly and hierarchical and you've got mm -hmm. the instruction. And I think there's a lot of analogs to stamp collecting when you're hinging yeah. stamps into an album. Yeah. It, it sort of triggers the same endorphins or whatever in my brain yeah. that building a Lego set does. I think yeah. it's, it's um, you know, sort of adding, you have this big pile of pieces, you have this big pile of stamps, yeah. and you have to add order and rationality to it. You have to make sense of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helped lay the foundation for my, uh, you know, adulthood stamp collecting. Yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's an interesting concept. I'm, I'm excited to dive into this topic of how, how does it, how does the two collecting worlds relate as Far as it comes to and to when use. you find out what some of these lego sets go for noble spirit may expand their business model <laughs> <laughs> because some of it sometimes it blows my mind again we'll yeah. we'll we'll let ryan talk about that but uh uh again i i'm really looking forward to this uh to this conversation not with a philanalyst admittedly but with a fellow mm -hmm. collector a kindred spirit i think yeah. this one will be a lot of fun yeah looking forward to it all right let's bring him in let's bring him in Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Huge fan of your channel. Really appreciate you, um, you know, coming on. Even though we're a stamp podcast, coming to share some thoughts about the yeah. uh, the Lego collecting community. I don't know if this is a bad joke or not, but I've used a stamp a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> so, for for uh, I'm sure that most people listening to this do not even know that. I mean, they, they're probably aware of Lego. It's the largest toy company it's, on the planet. Yeah, you have to be. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think a lot of people are aware of the fervor and the community and the, mm. um, you know, again, a lot of kids maybe get a Lego set for Christmas or whatnot, but there is a lot more to it. And there's a lot of teens and adults who are equally passionate and enthusiastic about Lego. Can you talk a little bit about first yourself and your channel and your history and then sort of what the larger Lego community is like? Um, so my like, I don't know, one paragraph synopsis of my entire history is like, 
I was five years old and I started getting Lego sets like anyone would, like I think Charles was saying before we started here. Um, and but for me, unlike unlike with you, I just kind of never got out of it, which is mm. which is odd because most people have their what they call dark age and you'll stop collecting because you grow up and you Legos for kids and all that. And um, so so a lot of people grow out of it in middle school, high school. Um, then some people come back, obviously, like our, like uh, like you. I don't know if Michael collects or not, but um, no, Michael no, Michael's no. actually going to buy the Seinfeld set. That's the, <laughs> okay, that's the okay. one that's going to get Michael back. <laughs> Whatever gets yeah, you in yes. the door. Yeah. Seinfeld. <laughs> cool set. I know that one's pretty popular, but yeah. So like, you know, I never got out of it. And then in 2009, oh, hey, here's this really cool website called YouTube. This exists. I'm 12 years old. Mm hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. I just, me and a friend down the street uh, started a channel to compete with another couple of friends in our sixth grade class because, you know, they had 20 subscribers and it was like, we need to beat them. And so, <laughs> you know, we made a few skit videos, but really my first video and, and what ended up being most of what I would upload to that channel is just random Lego crap of like, here's a review. You definitely want to hear a 12 year old thought on this Lego set. Like, you know, yeah. uh, and, you know, it's 2012 or 2009 and, you know, YouTube is not what it is today. There is no, like, you can be a billionaire from YouTube idea. It's just like, mm. you want to become popular because it's cool at school. Right. Um, and so it's just kind of like morphed into this thing where I now make videos for a living, which is insane. Right. Like, I'm sure you guys find your, you know, occupations pretty crazy too, as if you're like avid fans of what you do. Right. It's like yeah. a pretty cool thing. So like, yeah, it's just, I mean, I kind of skipped 10 years there, but essentially I just kept going at it and kept going at it and uh, I never dropped out of it and it's worked out pretty well for me. But um, yeah, I wanted to pick up where Charles was earlier. If you, Charles, you want to like bring yeah. us back into that? Yeah, so what I, what I was saying is that one thing we hear a lot is, you know, specifically in, in terms of Sam's, but also, you know, a larger point is that young people, there's so many distractions, there's video games, there's iPhones, there's all sorts of things. And, and I, I hear from a lot of people that that young people don't like it. <laughs> yeah, let me take this. Um, glued to their phone. Right, and they, they don't like to collect anymore. They, there's no interest in collecting. And I, I, I think that's the wrong attitude to to take and i you know maybe you can um share your thoughts on that yeah so my experience with this i guess it's going to always with as with anything vary from person to person because i can i can take examples from all sorts of different people if i can look at my brother the next room over and he doesn't collect anything he doesn't care he's got like five legos that's whatever i wouldn't call it collecting though right i'm sure mm -hmm. you wouldn't either it's just you have a few things um and then i know one of my friends lorenzo that i play basketball with and he doesn't like post anything online or anything, but he's got like 200 Star Wars Funko Pops and like that's just what he collects, right? So I think it's going to vary on the person, but I, I definitely think the idea, I, I actually hadn't heard this, the idea that like young people don't like collecting things anymore is is probably misguided. Like it's like, but also young people collect things online. You have to remember that too. Yeah. They collect the Fortnite skins or the Call of Duty guns or whatever it is, like, like, and I haven't found myself too super into that, but like that is definitely a thing where people collect that sort of stuff. I know NFTs are just coming up um, and that is definitely going to be something that I think younger folks might find themselves more interested in than, than older people. But, um, and I'm not sure what, you know, if you guys have tried to, you know, have a foray into that world, but it is mine. I don't, <laughs> I still don't understand any of it, but like, I'm sure it is a thing amongst some kids where it's like, Oh, I got to have this latest cyberpunk of this NFT or whatever it is. So, yeah. 
we catch they ourselves had... having conversations and then in the middle of the conversation say we don't know what we're talking no. about and and yeah. there's actually I, I think one or two countries have actually tried to issue nft stamps yes yeah um they've tried to combine the two collecting fields somehow yeah the only way that works is if you're charging people to send emails but you but it's free so yeah. like how well, does that work they're purely collectible so okay it's, just collect. it's private people designing stamps okay. with actual postage denominations that they can't then use right and i think really i think it was austria that did a stamp that was yeah. backed by blockchain technology yeah. whatever that i don't know how a stamp can be backed by blockchain but they've that's, tried that's my thing with it i'm like how does it where you have to literally have a physical thing and all this stuff is yeah. digital and it only works if you're charging people for emails which you're not right so like that's interesting though. i had not heard that at all but i I would wonder, like, have you guys tried to like collect those? I know you said you have an auction house. Have you auctioned off any NFT stamps or no? We haven't. Everything <laughs> we do is still physical. I think it yeah, would probably. It, it would confuse everybody, myself most of all, <laughs> yeah. if I didn't even know what I was. Okay, selling. you won this. How do I give it to you? Exactly. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah. send you a link via email. Yeah. I'll just send you a picture of it. Yeah, I'll yeah. keep the real one. It's good. It's all the same. Yeah, that's the that's the craziest stuff to me. But I I yeah I would disagree that young people don't collect that because I would see myself as living proof i think i'm still young i'm 24 right so like you know and a lot of my friends around me collect certain things but I, it's also i think another factor of it um is like for people in middle school high school whatever it depends on where you're at especially getting into college when you actually have things you have to pay for like people mm -hmm. just don't have the money for it like yeah. some people collect lego but they like you know they can only buy a few sets and like deciding what to buy is like really a, a tough choice at that point for some people because like you want to collect but it, you can't go in too deep because you literally can't afford it um so and i don't you know i don't know how expensive stamp collecting is that's certainly not my forte I, yeah. maybe you have a good example for me but like for for lego it's relatively expensive or at least most people perceive it as expensive but i would say there are things that are far more expensive to collect excuse me um than lego sports cards um yeah depends on what sport card but like right. i think that's got a lot of like i think um people my age or our age i would say mm -hmm. uh into that world mostly because of the investing aspect of it i don't know yeah that's something that's always that, a difficult topic in stamps. yeah that's something yeah. that sort of come up in stamps every decade or two there's sort of an investment bubble and investment craze mm -hmm. um that uh pans out different ways but yeah that seems to be where sports cards are headed now you you've talked about legos as an investment i feel like this would sort of blow people's minds who don't under who don't follow lego closely that is set that's only been out of production for a year or two might double or triple in value uh, in, a, in a very short amount of time, stamps, we're talking about things that are 150 years old, and in a lot of cases, 100 years old. You can right. have a Lego set from five years ago that's worth considerably more than you could have bought yeah, just, it for a just, Do stamps not like uh, increase in value like that? or they, they do, but not at the speed. When a stamp isn't issued anymore, I, I wouldn't mm -hmm. say it immediately increases in multiples at that kind of speed. There's okay. stamps that were taken off sale 10 years ago that you can yeah. still get it what it would have cost face value yeah yep wow yeah huh um so i guess a good example for me i guess would be sitting right behind me so this is i guess this is 10 years ago now at this point this set here uh originally yeah. cost 250 dollars, right okay which is at the time a mighty price some people might scoff at that for a toy not a toy <laughs> but uh but now if you want one, you go on eBay, sealed in the box, just like you would have bought it from Lego. So it's going to cost you a cool thousand dollars at the very least. That's four, four times the money. The right. 
um, and, and there's lots of other examples. Um, I think an example a lot of people would know a lot about or like most people could relate to is the Slave One because most people have probably seen the new Mandalorian season and seen that Boba Fett came back. And you know what the Slave One, if you're there. Um, that set retired, what, two and a half years ago or so. Um, and it originally sold for $200 and it has quickly tripled in value to about $600 right now. Um, and if you're watching this at a later date, this is still before the new Boba Fett show has come out. And mm. so that, that value while probably part of its current value still isn't fully into it. And I think it's going to hit like a thousand bucks, like real quick. Interesting. It's kind of so, scary. As far as um, you say 600 bucks, thousand bucks, but that's new in box. What if you right. have one like on your shelf pre-constructed? Um, so yeah, as with anything, the condition is going to vary your, your value. Right. Yeah. So um, usually my like, like the general rule of thumb, I would say with buying something used versus new is you're going to get it for like 25 to 50% less than what it's going to cost as a new item. Like okay. that's just what it is. Um, it just depends on what it is. So it's, yeah. it's hard to know. Cause it'll definitely vary by, by item. The other thing um, with, with investing in Lego, uh, like you said, it takes up a lot of space. Yeah. And that is a, that is a big thing. That's something that sports cards don't do. Stamps certainly don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's Pokemon cards, whatever you want to say, like it's, something that's going to take up a lot of space in your 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 to to make a considerable amount of money for people that are actually interested in investing in it like that's why i typically try not to is like it'll just swamp your whole garage like that yeah and it's you know i, I you know I, I, you, get, you get a stamp book and you have i don't know how many stamps are going to fit in your you can stamp. put thousands in one right. binder yeah right versus My, michael you should see the size of some of the boxes for like a millennium falcon or a star yeah. destroyer i have a quick example for you real quick this is what I literally just, well, yeah, some of the other ones. This is what I just bought at the Lego store. Um, this is a big Harry Potter set I just got. And oh, wow. you can you can start to get the idea that this, you know, if you want to buy 10 of these to have and invest in to, to hopefully make some good money over time, that's going to take, take up a good amount of so space. So what, what does that one cost? That one is about $200, I think, $250 maybe. I just got it today, and that's, that's about it. And so the thing is, like, for, for the entirety of its release cycle of most lego sets some of them you know a lot of scalpers get get flack for this obviously it's a typically frowned upon practice by any fan community uh when a set comes out and it sells out you can you can get some immediate return yeah. um but obviously the best returns will always be over the long term with anything uh and barring re-releases and stuff but mm. But like, you know, something like that, if, if you're investing in it day one, you're going to have it sit on your shelf for two years and not appreciate it all in value, right? So you just got dead money. And then, you know, maybe a year after you could make $100, but, you know, you got to look 10 years down the line to make the real money from what I've seen looking back. And, you know, it's just a lot of space and money to have sitting on a shelf to, to be investing like that. So I don't know. Well, a, a phrase that I, I really liked hearing you use was dark age, because that's a term that we hear amongst stamp collectors as well. And I'd say the typical trajectory of a stamp collector is they start as a kid, you know, especially in the mid 20th century, this was one of the main yeah. hobbies a kid would be interested in. And then they, you know, go off to high school, go off to college, get married, have kids, job, all that stuff. And then sort of return to it, um, you know, retirement age when the kids mm-hmm. are out of the house and they have some more disposable income and time. Right. But it sounds like the dark ages for Lego, especially in my case, I, as we were saying earlier, I collected from age like five until 12, I would say, and then got back into it within the last year and a half. Yeah. Um, so do you think people come back around to it? Is that dark age shorter? What, what age do you think people rediscover their love for Lego 
and you know what, you know, what, what sort of the, the average typical viewer that you have? It's, it's going to depend. Um, but you, you are, how old are you? 27, 28, 28. <laughs> so, so like, you know, you're going to have people like yourself that get back into it later. But I think a lot of it now is, um, like when people discover YouTube videos, it helps a lot. Like it's, it's a lot different now than what the dark age of of old would have been where you would kind of just grassroots kind of rediscover it. Maybe if you're lucky, you had a kid and you just, Hey, I like this thing. I want to keep doing it. But for, for the longest time, Lego was seen almost solely as a kid's toy and only had this like kind of cult following, um, for its, you know, older fandom. And then I think with the, the internet and the rise of that now the YouTube, obviously Instagram, TikTok now, um, it has really helped push this idea that Lego is more than just a kid's toy, which it kind of always has been. It's just not, it used to not be so socially acceptable. Um, and you're, you dropping off at the age of 12 is a pretty good example of like, I don't know if social pressures were particularly put on you, but you know, a lot of kids yeah. collecting at 12 years old, it's like your friends are like, Legos are for babies. Why are you, why do you still have these? You know, I, I hear a lot of those of like, that's what happened to me type of stories. And it's like, yeah, that can happen. That's that'll people get bullied out of it more or less and, i guess and, and to be all through high school like that you know my my teens and everything i collected lego architecture because that felt like the okay. yeah, adult uh, yeah. that was that was like the socially <laughs> acceptable lego to collect and and I, I love them i still have all my you know original architecture sets but then like you know beginning of this year there's nothing better than getting an x-wing and you know locking the s foils into attack position like that's sure. still the as great as it is to build like a skyline of chicago or whatever like i want this i want the i want the star wars you know i want right. the uh um so i i i think that's a that's a good point that lego sort of had this image as a purely child's toy and i think it helps having themes like star wars like harry potter um that have a lot of older fans now too um because that gets people in the door you know what <laughs> i mean like most people probably aren't going to walk down the Lego aisle, pick out this architecture set and be like, Oh, wow. I guess I'm into this now. You know um, I would, I would imagine most people get in the door because of one of these big uh, licensed themes, which some people say is ruining Lego. You know, I'm sure there are uh, similarities in the stamp world of what might be ruining stamps, but you know, people, har older people harken back to the, no, I think it's younger kids too. They're like, Oh, there's too many, too many license scenes. We need more Ninjago. For those that don't know what Ninjago is, just like a original IP that Lego makes of a storyline. And it's, hmm. you know, they do all these things, but they don't, um, it's, it's hard to get a new audience unless you have this big, like Lego pulling in from this big group that they've got existing with Star Wars, Harry Potter, whatever else, you know, they do random things like what you were going to buy the Seinfeld set. Yeah. Like, yeah. If they're not doing these random things, it doesn't draw people in. You can't draw people in with another police car. Yeah. It, you know, yeah. it's not going to happen. And with, with stamps, they do it kind of thematically, too. I mean, there's the Star Wars stamps that were issued yep. earlier in the year. And they try to pull in people by, let's throw Bugs Bunny on stamps. Let's mm -hmm. let's throw these different themes. And pe topical collecting within stamps is, is absolutely massive. I'd say it's probably, if not the one of the largest collecting niches inside of stamp collecting itself so that's that's interesting that that within different collecting communities there's all this outreach to try and find people outside of the traditional lego collector who might be interested in harry potter so if there's crossover there it could bring people in no yeah definitely I, I think that's a huge thing it's just having like a gateway drug essentially to to collecting a <laughs> an item i was gonna yeah. ask you so um who makes stamps? 
is my question. I, I have a I have a point to all this. I think depending on what your answer is, like who <laughs> like can any company just make stamps or does it have to be a, a like the for I guess for the United States, I mean, the United States Postal Service are they the only people who can issue stamps? Yeah, legally they're the only ones who can issue stamps for the that work right exactly yeah, for yeah, the yeah. conveyance. Yeah. Now now there are um, certain little exceptions. I, I we have some friends who. Um, they want to just create their own stamps for the heck of it, and maybe they'll carry mail from one end of their street to the other end of the street and <laughs> call that a postal service. So there are little loopholes, but but in the U.S., it, if, if it's a you know a first class letter being delivered from point A to point B, the U.S. Postal Service is the only ones. And so they, my th- they, well, oh, they they used to also they just discontinued it. You used to be able to print your own images on stamps, so you could design oh. your own stamp and then print it out as legal postage. And in Canada, they wow. still do it. And they're highly collectible there. We found out just a few episodes ago by talking to a Canadian philatelist, but they've discontinued that in the U.S. now. Oh, I, I had no idea that was a thing. Maybe that's why they had to discontinue it. They had bad advertising. <laughs> but but my po- I guess my point there was going to be, um, so like Lego is obviously like a for-profit company. They want to make products that people want to buy, or at least that's what consumers hope. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're the stamp company or, or the United States Postal Service, like you're making these stamps, but are they making them specific? Like, are do they make stamps to try and get more people to collect, or are these just other companies and things that want to work with the postal service and just have their stuff on stamps because it's like advertising? Like, I'm curious, like the way that it works, like from a behind the scenes standpoint of like, I don't know, it just seems weird to me that they would, or like, not weird, but like, it's interesting that if the sole job of the postal service is to just sell stamps for mail. Yeah. why they would bother with all these extra, extra things? That's a really good question. Um, I think the most, uh, he, I don't want to say heated, the most um, criticism I saw of the post office was when the Harry Potter set of stamps came out. Okay. I want to say that was around 2015 or so. It was a set of 20 stamps with all the main characters on it. Mm-hmm, right. um, there was a lot of criticism because Harry Potter is a British property. Why would they be on a United States set of stamps. Interesting. Um, yeah, and and a lot of people just wondered whether they were necessary because historically stamps have been for presidents, first ladies, mm-hmm. inventors, writers, maybe an occasional athlete or something, but it's always been uh, quite a prestigious honor. You can't be on a stamp while you're alive. You have to be dead before you can be put on a is stamp. That, oh, really? That yeah. was another criticism because people are saying, well, Daniel Radcliffe is alive and oh, well. Yeah. Oh, but it's <laughs> but, a fictional but it version. Was, exactly. Exactly. It wasn't Daniel Radcliffe. Same. It's not Mark Hamill on a That's stamp. A, it's Luke mm-hmm. Skywalker that is quite on a stamp. Loophole, I suppose it is it is so you end up getting a ton of living people on stamps um so there is you know it, it's sort of a double-edged sword because on the one hand I think people feel like it waters down the purity of the post office right stamps used to be literally just George Washington and Ben Franklin yeah. over and over <laughs> um but I I think that you know again the other edge of that sword is that you know as a as a kid my my two loves were Star Wars and dinosaurs Mm-hmm. And when dinosaur stamps came out, my mother would go to the post office and buy me a sheet of dinosaur stamps. I wouldn't have bought stamps otherwise. And I'm sure, right. that, you know, when the Star Wars, the set of droid stamps, uh, mm-hmm. did, did you know that there was a set of droid stamps I, that I came think out? I, this, I think this, I did see them, yeah. Yeah, it's got, it's got BB-8. It's got all the different, and, and mm-hmm. I'm sure there are kids who would never buy a stamp ever. Right. But they see C-3PO and R2-D2 and everything and and um do and whatnot and, and they and they love that so there are people on both sides of the argument some of them think that it's a cheap 
cash grab. Right. <laughs> trying to get people to buy stamps. The, the other thing, um, not to be cynical, but if you buy a set of Star Wars stamps and stick them in a frame and never yeah. use them, <laughs> you're paying the post office for services that they will never have to render. Correct. Whereas yeah. if you buy a stamp, they actually have to perform labor in exchange for that money. Right. So I, I do think that there is a push to get collectors to buy stamps because that's essentially pure profit, whatever it costs. That is, yeah, that's actually, that is a good point. <laughs> However, the other thing is postal service is not supposed to turn a profit. Right. They're certainly so, doing it. So it's like, not it's like, that's a really good point. I agree. It is yeah. literally free. They're literally printing money. Yeah. But yes. like they're not supposed to. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> Well and, and, yeah. and the other bit of the puzzle, moving out of the US for a second, there are countries, especially small island nations, that um use stamps and commemorative coins as a major source of revenue. So these countries will produce stamps for Princess Diana, for the US presidential elections, for anything and everything. And you're never going to send a letter from Kiribati or some of these yeah. little countries. So you're in, in that case, it is just printing money, but it's a huge source of revenue for a country that doesn't have many other sources of revenue. So it's right, because it's, people like yourself will buy them or other yeah. collectors and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So if you if, if you collect Star Wars stamps, you're gonna need the Star Wars stamps, whether they are US stamps that are legitimately yeah. issued for postage or <laughs> whether it's you know St. Vincent or some tiny little Caribbean island nation, yeah. you want the stamps. So there is a huge aspect of of uh, stamp collecting that is purely commercial. Additionally, yeah, I mean, we have these trade shows that, as, as Charles was telling me earlier, that you, that you guys have these massive trade shows for Legos. The USPS right. shows up to them, and they, oh, they do cool. what they call um, first day cover ceremonies. So you can go and you can buy a stamp that was just been issued, and they'll cancel it there. So you pay them for the forever stamp, 58 cents. You give them the 58 stamp cents and they stamp it on the envelope to stamp the date that the, the stamp was issued. So you've then also paid them for a service that they don't actually have to deliver that they letter. They hand it right back you to ha you. They hand it back to you. So they they, they have a vested interest in collectors maintaining um, this large fan base for these stamps that they're issuing because they want people to come buy these sheets, not use them, or go to right, these first day cover ceremonies. And purchase stamps that will never be used oh huh. that is cool i like that they i i'm very surprised to hear that the postal service goes to stamp collecting oh yeah it's, it's that is they're interesting there they're one of the, the how many draws for people how many people's go to, how many people go to a stamp convention it's a good question i wanted to sort of compare and contrast a lego convention with stamps sure. yeah. I, I would say you know there, there's a big annual stamp show that moves around the country i would say that gets a couple of thousand people mm -hmm. okay. uh, maybe two to three thousand people and probably a hundred different dealers but then okay. there's every 10 years an international show which yes. i think uh brought in two hundred thousand over the course of eight days i think so that was yeah. last held oh, wow. in new york in 2016 it was at the yeah. javits convention center it was eight days long yeah hundreds of thousands eight of days people. Is insane i can't eight imagine. days of stamps um it was <laughs> that was right after i took my job that was like my first <laughs> month on the job i was like oh, eight days in new york i can i'm from california originally okay so. That was um, new and exciting to me. But what, uh, so the, the other thing at a stamp show that I think people don't really realize is that there's a competitive aspect to it where people mount their stamp collection. Uh, they sort of create an exhibit that tells a story. And then there mm -hmm. are judges who 
grade the exhibits and, uh, you know, give out different awards based on the exhibit's merits. So can you talk about what it's like to go to a stamp, uh, a Lego? Stamp, I, I, can't, I can't speak about stamp. <laughs> no, I was no. going to say about your stamp convention first real quick. Yeah. I find it interesting. Like there, so there's a difference here, right? So if, at a stamp convention, you're literally showing off your collection. It is, I, I don't want to say frowned upon, but like, nobody does it and you're not really supposed to you don't just show up with your lego sets at a lego convention that's just not how it works it's like like i could show up with some really cool old lego sets and i'm sure some people would like it but you would definitely like from the people that go there like the the other people displaying or the um exhibitors you probably use the same term um like you definitely get some looks or like what is this guy doing like why don't you build something yourself type of deal? Um, you kind of mentioned like showing a story with your stamps. Is that kind of like akin to that? Or is it like also just okay a, to show whatever you a, have? I think it's, uh, so you, you sort of take the pieces of what you have and you have to craft them into a narrative. So maybe, you know, before a stamp was issued, what are the original drawings that the artist made? Um, and then, the, you know, the stamp was issued. How was the stamp used? Right. And, and so so you, I, I think that's sort of the equivalent of a, um, I think I mentioned in the introduction to Michael what a mock was. Mm. And I think it, a stamp exhibit is sort of equivalent to a mock where you take these um, sort of uh, prefab building blocks, pardon the pun, but and, and you turn them into something that's more than the sum of their parts. Yeah, I don't, I'm not somebody who does that usually. I like just collecting the sets um like that's just kind of my gig but so i like when i go i just show up me my camera and hang out with friends right um but yeah so the the difference numbers wise for like the biggest lego conventions is going to be you have about a thousand exhibitors and then throughout the course there's two public days usually uh to be saturday and sunday um for the one outside of chicago and the one in virginia um usually average between 10 and twenty thousand people over the two days i think so probably about 10 times bigger than a stamp convention five to ten times bigger just and a thousand on... exhibitors is uh is it's incredible. a lot of people yeah because it, it'll be in a hundred it also probably takes up a lot more space than stamps because stamps are smaller um but yeah it'll be in a you know thousand hundred thousand square foot you know, convention center. And I don't know how big a, I, I'm actually kind of curious how big of a convention center do they end up using for, I don't know what the square footage was in Chicago. I don't know. Yeah. I want to say, uh, I know we'll get comments from people who run stamp shows for yeah. a living, but I, I want to say in the 60,000 square foot range. I don't okay. know why that, no, that's, that's pretty big. Yeah. It's still pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah a, a, a Lego sorry. display is physically going to be more sizable oh, yeah. than definitely, <laughs> but it's also, so the other thing is, are so like if anyone's coming around to like look at stamps are they for sale like are, is any stamp on the table for sale potentially within reason yeah i was gonna say it's divided <laughs> so there's the exhibiting which is not okay. for sale that's people okay. owned and then same with, the, okay same with lego yeah, yeah and then okay. yeah and then there's the sure. hundred or so dealers where everything is for sale okay hmm. so for a lego show do they don't have things like dealers or, or any do they oh, they do yeah yeah they do okay um the interesting thing that they they actually for the one in virginia had the just the convention center built this like it's an additional building essentially added onto the building that had already existed so now they just throw all the people that sell stuff over in that side it's like thirty thousand square feet and it is a immensely popular area um and i'm sure i'm sure it's the same in stamps where like people that know what they're looking at like yourselves would, would probably mm -hmm. walk over there and be really like ah, eh, there's probably nothing here for me but i'll look through anyway it's probably gonna be mostly a little bit too much for my taste but yeah it's so they, it's still really fun they sell discontinued sets and stuff oh like yeah that. oh yeah okay. lots lots that's yeah it, it is a 
I don't, I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but when you like can see and hold an item, even if it costs a little bit more than it would on eBay, it is yeah. tough to walk away from it in your hands. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it is damn sure you kind of figure you're going to pay maybe a little bit more. Um, oh, yeah. Say, I, yeah. I, I, collect, I collect old records as well. And yeah, if you see one at a shop, you kind of figure, you, you know, that's I, I, you're almost paying for the experience of finding it in the wild. 100, like 100%. Yeah, no, yeah, there's definitely, there is something for, for the story behind it as well that's worth the extra $10 or whatever, you know, it depends on how much what you're buying is. But yeah, absolutely. So, so I, I've been thinking about because Legos were the first thing I collected, and mm -hmm. I do see a lot of similarities. I was saying to Michael earlier that you know the sort of the the move that a Lego set or putting stamps in a stamp album, you know, the, the headspace it, it brings me to. And I'm trying to figure. I, I know you collect uh, you know other action Hasbro a little bit and things like that. Oh, yeah. But what is it about Lego that keeps you coming back after all these years? What is it about a Lego set that's different than a Funko Pop or, uh, you know, a Hasbro three and three quarter inch or a Black Series? Why Legos instead of any other toy that you could have collected? That is a that is almost an impossible I... question to answer. Um, <laughs> like, because part I think there's a lot of reasons like underlying for this because like part of it is it's literally like the one thing I really liked when I was seven years old. And it got me into Star Wars and vice versa. Um, and then like, it's also become my job for, for better, for worse. Right. Uh, so you have that aspect of it. It's like, you kind of have to come back, right. It's your source of income. Um, and then like, it's just literally something I love to its core for the most part. Like I have issues with it and I make plenty of videos complaining and, you know, criticizing the company and the product, but like, for the most part, you don't, you don't collect all these sets and not really like it for the, you know, for, for what it is. And so a lot of it is probably nostalgia driven as well of like, Oh man, the good old days. Let's keep, let's keep chasing that high. I think part of it is chasing the high. I don't, I, you guys are going to like this, I think. Um, Cause you probably have, have some really good examples. So like for me, part of it is like, like I remember like three years ago, I found some Lego sets. I don't know st how stamp releases work, but for a Lego set release, right. There's like the release date and then there's a street date and it's, you know, you try to work around that sometimes. I'm, I'm sure you have street dates and other things, but uh, I found some Lego sets like three weeks early and it is like, I've never done drugs, but I can only imagine, you know, <laughs> like it is, it is quite a feeling to like chase down some Lego sets, drive three hours across the state to Tampa Bay and like not know if you're about to find them and completely have wasted your time, but then walk in and see the entire wall of things that aren't supposed to be out for three weeks. And you're the first one to find them. And it is just the high. I, I can't, I can't, I can't live without, you know? So I, I think part of it is chasing the high with, with in that regard and, and some other aspects of it, there's just a high to it that I love. Um, and like the competitive nature of like doing YouTube videos and trying to be successful at that for me is important as well. I don't know. What, what is your, you have an, anything akin to that in stamps? Yeah. They, they call it the thrill of the hunt. Yes. That um, absolutely. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. When for, you find that thing at a stamp show that you've been looking for, for, for years when, and, and, a lot of the a lot of the time it it won't even be the most expensive thing that you know mm -hmm. if you wanted to go out and buy um uh you know a, a certain discontinued Lego set you can probably go on eBay and find ten of them for sale. This is this is what I was gonna say. Rarity yep. doesn't equal value, right? So mm -hmm. you're looking for things that are really rare, but not maybe particularly expensive, but you just can't find them, right? Is that yeah, exactly. that's the difference yeah. lego i can go on ebay and buy anything that's like a you retail could go buy uh, uh, nobody is going to get this reference but you could go buy the <laughs> um the original cloud city mint in box i i got that 
Yeah, it's going to cost you a lot of money, but you can buy it. But you can go find it, no problem. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, there's other, you know, there's there's these more esoteric things that are much less money, but much more difficult to find. That's interesting because it's probably you know your niche little thing of like, hey, they, I, th- um, hold on, I have a really give me just a second. I take yeah. my headphones off. Sorry. I have a good example for you for for Lego, and then I, I would love to hear a stamp one. So this is a Japanese Lego Star Wars box. Okay. You don't see these every day. They only sold them in Japan, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what this is called is a Kabaya box. And this was about $400, which you can debate on whether or not it's expensive, I guess. But, you know, $400 is just, it is what it is. But, like, it's something that I've only ever seen for sale, like, once. And, like, when you see that, that is, like, such an exciting thing, right? Like, I don't know. It's just it's something cool about having something to chase down. And I I fear the day when I've collected it all. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's the same for stamps, but there is kind of a finite amount of stuff for, for Lego Star Wars. Can I yeah. ramble for a second, Michael? You can even please, cut this out please. of the product. <laughs> yeah. I remember, so the, the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter, I think, are the same as the ones that were released in the States in the Kabaya box. The, the minis. Yes, the, yeah, there's just and a poly bag the, inside. Exactly. exactly. And this, but the Slave One is the same design as Django's Slave One, but it's in Boba's Slave One colors. I don't know if it's the same exact design, but I guess I would assume it would be. I think so. it's got the same print and everything. Yeah, exactly. And I remember when I was a kid, I saw that set on Brick Set for the first time, and I was oh, yeah. just fascinated. There was a different colored mini. That is so cool. Oh. Yeah all japanese yeah. on the back of center right i i, rem- really I remember odd, i remember seeing that on the brick set is sort of the the bible of lego sets uh it's, it's this database of everything yeah and i remember being a little kid when the star wars minis first came out mm-hmm. and seeing that and i was just fascinated that it was um i'm sure it, you're it, a fan it, of my display i have back there i'm sure you know what i'm talking about yeah oh yeah <laughs> i i remember i remember when yeah you had to get all the different because each mini came with different pieces for a tie bomber mm-hmm. and then i remember well, again we'll get back on topic in a second yeah. but there was like a there was a preview brochure for the mini snowspeeder and atst and in the background you could see the mini atat that wasn't going to come ah. out until a year later and i, I remember I being noticed the, that i have to look into that I, I remember it was the longest year of my life. I had this like poster <laughs> that I, I would, I would for, study a mini set. for a mini ATAT. I would, I would like bring it to school and like. It is so funny. Oh, he yeah. throws. Yeah. It, that happens <laughs> sometimes. He got too excited. Are you there again? Oh, no, oh, he is. He's just straight frozen. Yeah, oh my God. It is my, there. My, my internet cut out because I was he just found far it. off topic. Wow. I have. I have this poster somewhere and I never noticed it. Uh, it was it was the year before the ATAT came out. That's one of my vivid memories. You learn something new every day. Thanks for teaching me something. That's cool. I, <laughs> I just dropped a picture in there. Yeah, I'm going to look at it in the background. I'm sure you'll have some nostalgia with this one. That's it. Oh my God. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> look at them back there. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah I studied that. That, that uh, was right around the same time that one of my original gunship super battle droid arms broke and i thought it was the worst day of my life <laughs> <laughs> oh those things those are notoriously uh, yep. breakable yep. I'm sure, 
stamps don't have that kind of issue, right? Because with some of the Lego sets, some of the things age really poorly just because of the way some of the pieces were made back then. Um, and so some things become artificially more rare and more expensive because they're just harder to get in a decent condition. Like, obviously that's going to happen with stamps, but you don't have like things like where it'll just break arbitrarily. So there's a, there's an interesting anecdote. There's mo okay. most of the time, if a stamp is stored properly, it will last longer than any of us will. Right. Mm. But there's one German, uh, it was a little sheet of stamps from the 1930s. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, they used um, the gum on the back of the stamp. Um, had a high sulfur. Was, was it sulfur? Yeah, I think it was sulfuric acid or something. Okay, yeah. The, this was the only stamp that sort of glue was ever used on. Mm -hmm. Right. And it just eats away at the paper. So if you see one today, it just crumbles to dust yeah. before your eyes because of the because of the again that that glue on the back. But they're still so... rarer with the glue. They're still valued at higher with the original gum on the back that because sorry, people would wash them off. Oh, sorry. They're still valued higher. Uh, okay. Oh, he froze again. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. With but, the but original yes, gum on the back. Yeah, exactly. So it's sort of, a, it's sort of, and, and the only other one I can think of that's really interesting. Um, do you remember the anthrax scare in, I think 2006 mm -hmm. or were you too young for that? Um, I, I have a vague recollection of when the, there was the terror, the domestic terrorist mailing anthrax yeah, right. to Congress people and stuff. And they, in Washington, DC, they started irradiating all mail, which means they would just pump it full of like really radioactive beams that would kill any anthrax. Right. But it would also, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Destabilize the paper fibers. Okay. So if you have mail that went through one of the irradiation machines, even though that's only 15 years ago, that paper is breaking down and it looks like it's been burnt. It looks like it's been roasted um, because of the radiation from it. So that's something that in a couple more decades, none of those will probably exist because they are destroyed. So by and large, I would say that stamps are fairly stable and safe right. collectibles, but there are instances where um, you know, natural factors can can break them down. I was gonna say, how much do those uh, 1930s German stamps go for? I think they catalog three thousand. Yeah, about um, three thousand dollars. Uh, if that's with the original gum, and then hinged is probably fifteen hundred. Um, and then no gum. Hinging, I think with... hinging's a whole another story. Yeah, and then I think <laughs> is, no gum was six hundred. Um, it, so you have a stamp, you get a stamp at the post office back in the day. Now you peel them yep. off like stickers, but back in the day, they had the gum on the back that you had to lick to stick on. Okay. Um, a popular way to keep a stamp in your album was you would take a little piece of, um, wax piece paper. Of, like wax paper, basically yeah. that you would lick and stick it to the back of the stamp and then lick the other side and stick it to your stamp album. Mm -hmm. So you could keep the stamp stuck in an album without actually licking and sticking it in an album. You'd use the glue of the stamp to adhere it to the wax paper and then put it on the album page okay. to, to so like hold it. Bas basically, I, what, what I would say the equivalent is a, a mint stamp fresh from the post office with the gum, the glue on the back, perfect, yeah. is like a mint and sealed box Lego set. Okay. Um, if it's hinged, if somebody stuck it onto an album page, that's like a used set that has the original box. Makes sense, yep. And then a used stamp that was actually on a letter is just like your used set, maybe missing okay, a couple I of many figures. That makes sense. Interesting. So yeah, <laughs> there there are, are, there are there's different. Exactly. Exactly. Just like if you wanted to buy a mint and sealed box versus a, if you, mm -hmm. hey, it's used and it's missing a couple of the minifigures, it's a fraction of the price. Yeah. Um, 
so like to kind of wrap this back into collect collecting collecting yeah. um for some people like they'll just collect for for lego they'll just collect like one theme um or they'll collect a couple different themes and depending on which theme you're going to be getting you could be in for like uh, like for star wars they release like let's say on average right now twenty five hundred dollars of sets a year so if you want to collect everything that's that's what you're in for and that's not including if you're going back in time as well or if you're not caught up right which is going to cost god knows how much depending on how fast you're going to get through that collection what is the what does the stamp world look like so if you wanted to buy could you feasibly buy every stamp that comes out in a year like what would that look like the new issue for america for america let's just say for america every stamp that comes out in a year would probably cost around I want to say three hundred dollars. Mm. So that's a really cheap thing to collect, or relatively, the, I suppose. The, 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 new, are, but... the new stamps are. The problem yeah. is just like with Legos, when you start to go back, um, then mm-hmm. you can easily spend yeah. fifty or sixty or a hundred thousand dollars on one stamp. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I there. Yeah, there's not a comparable Lego set to that number at all. No, I mean, wait, the, 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 mo, the, the mo, my, my company sold a stamp for 1.2 million. Um, that is for one I, stamp. So I can't even. That is absurd. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. But wow. It, I, it, for for people who don't know, what's the most you could for forgetting like a you know a, a solid gold C3PO or something? What is the most <laughs> I could go spend on a on a rare Lego set? Well, I, I have another quick story. Uh, yeah. I almost spent $9,000, but that's not $1.2 million. On, uh, it was the first ever Toy Fair from 1999. They had, it was the Toy Fair invite. It had Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. And it's like, come to Toy Fair February 2nd or whatever for new to- Galaxy toys or whatever, new toys from the Galaxy Far, Far Away. Um, and it was a private sale. And I almost bought it really, really close. Then yeah, I was trying to put an offer on a house at the same time, still working on that that's a disaster right now i'm sure you guys know um but like you know just didn't end up getting it someone else bought it for a little bit less than i was i was going to end up with it for but uh yeah that is about the peak you can end up spending you know the realistically like a retail release set um something that's like non-exclusive not toy fair probably that that at this point that cloud city i think would be the um 2003 lego cloud city 10123 for anyone interested um pro- probably it at like 3 or 4 grand sealed for lego star wars there there are some older sets um like the like the yellow castle or lego creator stuff from way back when that's a few grand as well but you don't see anything um into even five digits almost ever as a singular mm. item. I mean, you can buy a, a bunch of stuff altogether for that amount of money, but uh, most stuff is new enough. Like there's nothing from the 1930s or anything. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. How old Um, how old was that $1.2 million stamp? Uh, 1848. There you go. <laughs> there were no, there were no Legos <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like you just, there. there's nothing to compare there. Like, and even so, I don't think a Lego set would command that much money if it were that old. So yeah, it's, that is a wildly different world of, of money. But I do, I do kind of wonder, cause I've, I've watched this whole space m- m- uh, kind of mold in front of, change in front of me, I suppose. Yeah. Um, things have become much more expensive in the last 10 years, depending on what it is. Like some of these minifigures alone, just the figure out of that $4,000 Lego set we were talking about, it's a Boba Fett from that set it's like $700 now and I would say just three or four years ago it was $200 Hmm. so if you you know had bought a bunch of those you'd be swimming in money right now but like you know I think maybe 
as more people with more money um, and more people my age get jobs and stuff like that. And they have disposable income. You can continue to see prices on that stuff rise, but it, I just, I would be shocked the day I see anything sell for a million dollars. That is so, <laughs> so absurd. I guess we'll need a Lego auction house at that point. Jeez. <laughs> And the, the last thing I wanted to go over for our listeners is, um, you know, there's some great stamp YouTube channels. Michael and I follow in the footsteps of other people who are um, who are doing this. Um, and again, there's some channels that we really like and we're mm-hmm. trying to contribute in our small part. But the Lego Star, especially Star Wars, but Lego in general, um, YouTube space is very active and there's a lot of great channels I follow. You're at the, at the you know, head of it, obviously. Thank you. <laughs> But but, um, but what, what is that like? And, and what is it like for you? You know, it, I think to a lot of stamp collectors, the idea that somebody could r- turn a YouTube channel talking about Lego Star Wars into a full-time job is a really crazy concept. And we, it, we touched on it briefly, but what is that like? And, and um, you know, how would you sort of explain this to people who aren't yeah. plugged in? So like my YouTube career is like one of the most unexpected things of my life, right? Well, like, so I was doing college. It's like 2016, I suppose. Um end of 2016 and one day i upload this video it's about some new lego set coming out and you know hey this new lego set's coming out here's what i think about it and the video got maybe like 50,000 views um which is pretty good or was really good for the time um and so i made like 70 dollars that day on youtube or something and that was like the first day i was like oh what if I could do this every day? Right. And then you got to, you know, you got to get, get some levels above that to have like a, a decently fair income to not keep going through school. But like, it just kind of clicked in me that day that, you know, and I, I don't think I was making very good videos until like two years ago anyway, but like, even so like you, you build into that, right. You practice your, your craft. I don't know how long you've been doing YouTube stuff, but you probably know, like from, from your time doing it, like, you, you got to start somewhere. And for me, somewhere was 12 year old me, not very good, but you, you, you learn things and you grow, uh, at, at your craft essentially. And like, eventually it just kept growing and growing and I kept making content and like get it. And I think, I think the ability for like someone like me to like help create a space, I think that's important too. Like you have this space that can exist, but doesn't necessarily exist. And it needs people to like be entertaining in the space so that people will want to watch about it and Mm. so you kind of help create that and then that helps create what is essentially now your own job I guess for me um and that's insane like I I think that having something that you really really like as your like passion I suppose become your job is a really good thing um you guys have to be passionate about stamps right to to do what you do as well um it's it's insane and the thing about YouTube for me is like it's such a like land of opportunity, much like America, I suppose. But like, for me, I look at, I look at Lego star Wars kind of as like a jumping stuff. Like I would love to do other things on YouTube as well. And like kind of reach outside. Cause you can only get so big as a Lego channel. It's still going to be niche, much like with stamp collecting. I don't know what mm. the cap for like a stamp collecting channel is, but in the Lego much space, much lower than a yeah, right, like a, yeah. Lego channel in Lego space is <laughs> probably like a million subs. And you got like Jang bricks up there with a million and that's kind of it. You know, it's just like you can't get much farther than that, which isn't a bad place to be. But if you if you do other excuse me, if you do other things like commentary, YouTube or gaming stuff, you you know, you get 10, 20 million subscribers. And, you know, you see you see some of those mansions that people in L.A. live in. That is just absurd. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want that. But like 
I'll, I'd like to have that money, you know, <laughs> it is, it is just, I can buy that million dollar stamp. Like just, cause I want to that, you know, that, that, that is what YouTube allows for though. And I think, um, I think a lot of people will be very surprised to see not necessarily how easy it is, but how like, how doable it is if you're willing to put in the time to figure out what your thing is going to be and where you want to be and how you're going to achieve it. And like, you have to be entertaining and do a lot of things and put in the extra hours for it. But like, it is like, I, I just, my favorite part about it is how much potential there is. Like, it's just unlimited. Like you can just daydream all day about where you could be one day. It's, it's, that's what I like about it. Um, but yeah, but yeah, the community for it is pretty active uh, is what you're saying yeah. as well so there's i i don't know how many people do how many people do stamps as like their full-time job do you have like a rough as estimate full-time job like um i wouldn't even know where to begin really what about wouldn't. are there any like any do any like stamp solely content creators just do that and that's their no. thing no. No. no 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 that that's what amazes me um yeah. yeah there's there's um there's a couple other people but everyone has you know michael and i have our jobs and uh right all, all, even the, the channels bigger than us that that are much more you know michael and i do this as a way to um you know, hear different voices in the hobby mm -hmm. but there's people who are much more focused on yeah um content creation like the pure sense of the word where they script videos and everything right. yeah and even they all have full-time jobs so I think that's that's a huge distinction. Yeah, a and again, million I think... subscribers for a Lego channel specifically, I, I is is as far as stamps go, it's mass. I don't even know if <laughs> there's a million stamp collectors. <laughs> there's a million stamp dollars though. Yes, I, I I would say the the cap for a stamp channel is probably somewhere in the order of what ten or twenty thousand. Would you say? Michael? I, well, I think Graham oh, wow. has like twenty five thousand. Twenty, yeah, maybe twenty five would be the biggest yeah, that's, stamp channel. Yeah. Yeah, that that can't possibly be a full time job as it, as it is just on yeah. its own. So that's crazy how different it is. Like, I, I think stamp collecting is is really lagging in the mm -hmm. digital content yeah. creation sphere. Yeah. Um, I think I think there has been a lot of progress made in the last, especially during the pandemic. I think there was yeah. a lot of progress made. So my um, question with that would be like, or statement I suppose would be like, I think it's pretty obvious most young people just don't get into stamps and the the question from that would be because and obviously the the youtube group is going to skew younger towards our age demographic and probably even younger than us um on average like how do you get those people interested if you want to build that space and make it a thing would be where you end up and for me like just looking at it from an outsider's perspective knowing nothing i don't see a very clear or easy answer of like yeah. getting people interested in this thing like like you said they already have these like star wars stamps and stuff but I, you know how much has that done you know debatable but like it, it just seems like a space that's hard to have much content around too like mm -hmm. this stamp's different than this stamp and you know but, but if the right person comes along because here's the thing with youtube if someone can tell a good story people yeah, are gonna yeah. watch I find myself watching all sorts of YouTube videos where I honestly couldn't care less about the like core topic, but the story is just so good. You have to watch. Mm -hmm. So I think if you, if you have someone like that, that can tell a really good story and explain why this stamp is cool and put on a real good show, you, you could have a channel that out outgrows what is the existing stamp community. That's what you kind of have to do. You have to reach into the uh, less hardcore fan base. Yeah of of people to get interested in your hobby so yeah. i don't know if you guys have any opinions on that 
Yeah, yeah. I, and and the that that guy that we mentioned, Graham, I feel like does exactly that. He creates these stories around. He picks a certain stamp, mm-hmm. and then he tells a story around that stamp. Okay, and he's um, likable, good personality. Yeah, really um, nice guy. Yeah, so I, I yeah. think I, I but I, I feel like um, I feel like even he, I feel like stamps in general just sort of uh, were late to the to the punch with all of this. I think even the biggest stamp channels were late adapters. I mean, you were doing this at age 12 in yeah. you know, yeah. 19, I, I, 2009. I, so yeah. I, 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 I don't think anybody was sort of playing around with stamp YouTube in like 2009, right. 2012. Mm-hmm. I think it's all been sort of latecomers and, you know, trying to make up for lost time, certainly. But it's, you know, it, it, it's tricky too when you've got a hobby that is so steeped in tradition and legacy and it's a hobby yeah. that goes back over, you know, versus star wars and legos and video games and hasbro and black series and all mm-hmm. this is all very uh you know cutting edge and, and relevant and modern oh, yeah. stamp collecting you sort of have to overcome you have to honor the legacy of the hobby while right. still finding ways to be digital and engaging and yeah. um you know modern yeah it, mm. it's tough to find something that appeals to both audiences um because I've looked at the analytics on on our channel, which right. you know it, we started like nine, ten, eleven months ago. Yeah, and it was over a year. It was over a year ago. Oh, we started over a year ago, and uh, <laughs> we celebrated our one year anniversary. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it is it's mostly older. It's forty and up. Most right. Eighty percent is forty and up. Wow. Yeah, that's so, that's very different than mine. Mine's you know eighteen to twenty four. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's still 20% that's below 40 and that's not, I can't look at the, because mm-hmm. we do podcasts. I can't look at the yeah. audio analytics and the audio is larger than the video, but I mm-hmm. can't see what age group. That probably tells you that it skews older too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, the very fact that somebody's listening to a podcast is more indicative yeah. that they're. Yeah. yeah. It... So I, I guess my question for you, I joked earlier that I didn't think there was a million stamp collectors i think the okay. actual number is more like 20 to 30 million worldwide charles would people you say that collect stamps people that collect stamps i don't know Jeez. well enough I, to guess i thought those were the the numbers i think i think it's somewhere in the tens last. of millions of stamp collectors okay i was going to ask how many lego collectors you think there are so it's a, it's an interesting question That's, right is a collector a little kid who gets a set for christmas Ooh, good question no. good question no, Be- no well is a stamp collector someone who buys every new issue that's yes right you buy yeah yeah but not somebody who buys a stamp to mail a letter right 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 um so i like it was a multi-billion dollar company there has to be tens of millions of consumers of the product um but it's interesting right like but yeah that is a tough one i i would guess maybe a million lego collectors then maybe less maybe less but there was a million subscribers on that other right there's a million subscribers on that channel but it's like but are all of them lego collectors or are they just passively watching and it's i don't think it's a particularly easy question to answer i guess it wasn't for you either but um (laughs) yeah i i can't imagine it's like that absurdly many because you know i'm at almost four hundred thousand subscribers and i would say i'm pretty saturated at this point Mm -hmm. and it's like you know where else can you grow from other than trying trying to basically create more fans through just making generally interesting content to yeah. general people um yeah i can't i can't imagine it's much more than like a million people that collect lego if that 
like just that collect on a regular basis that maybe buy at least four or five sets a year to, to add to their collection type is of deal worldwide or just within the US? I would say, yeah worldwide yeah because okay. i have people i i think like half my audience is probably u.s and then the other half is spread mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the world so but obviously being english speaking and american it right is going right. to skew towards that what is do you guys have any statistics on that for you for yourself um i think it's uh i think right now it's 70 percent u.s Okay. And the remaining 30 is mostly Canada, UK, and Australia, actually. Hmm. Makes sense. Ba- bastions of stamp collect. I mean, the first hmm. stamp ever came out of the UK, so the UK has always been sort of the um, the home of stamp collecting, what, I would what say. What year was that, if you don't mind? 1840. How much is that stamp? Only about $100. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So they just they, made a ton of them? They, they made a ton one, of yeah. them. Yeah. They made, yep. um, wait, how many did they print? Four million? No, more than that. Was it? Okay. I think so. Yeah, it was in, it was on the order of millions. Um, yeah, yeah I, I I I bought one when I was in London once because you sort of have to have one in your collection. I was gonna say I just now I just want one because it's not like absurdly expensive. Just to, like it's like a cool thing. Be like, yeah, I have the first stamp ever made. Yeah, that is just like a great like thing. It's a to great just conversation have. starter. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I might buy that. That is actually very affordable. <laughs> I'm gonna Google that and check that out. Later. They made uh, commemorative. Uh, different companies made commemorative folios where the stamp would go in the center, and then the story. Yeah, of you could the have like a frame. Yeah, the penny black. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So the the other thing is there's two little letters at the bottom of it. Okay. Um. Because so. I see. The, yep. Yep. The way the sheet was printed, the top left would be AA, and then every column and every row would progress. So a lot of people try to collect their initials. Um, ah. So I, I'm, the one that I bought has CE at the bottom because now you've made this way harder. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and a friend of mine said that you have to find one with your initials used on your birthday. I said, absolutely not. Am I gonna spend like my life oh, tracking geez. that down? But but even just to have to have one of them in your again, it, it's it's not a huge investment and it's a great bit of yeah. Paper. That does seem yeah. like it. Yeah, that does seem like the like just you have to have it piece for yeah. for a stamp collector. I was gonna say you can and you can stop there. Like you don't have to collect more if you have the first one. Right. I feel like you can literally. Yeah, I just think it'd be cool. I just I just yeah. put it in like a little thing on the wall and be like, hey, look at that. <laughs> literally the first stamp. Yeah. I was yeah, on this podcast so. one time. These guys, they, they, I got scammed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michael will try and sell you one now. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, uh, okay, back on the record. Um, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I, again, I, I, I've been thinking a lot leading up to this conversation, um, how, how Lego Star Wars sort of impacted me, how those mm-hmm. seeds that were planted. And like I was saying to Michael earlier, I think there's something to be said. You open a Lego set, it's a big pile of bricks. And you have to apply order and logic to turn it into something um, recognizable. And <laughs> I know we try to wrap up here. I kind of had thought about one more thing to add on to the collecting yeah, oh, aspect course. of please, it. Please, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you see yourself now? Like, obviously, you're probably in stamps for the long haul. You've mm-hmm. only been doing Lego Star Wars again for like a year, but do you see yourself potentially as a lifelong collector of it? Absolutely. Um, so the good. Sorry. I was gonna say I, I'm I'm limiting myself to anything Mandalorian I have. Okay. So it this sort of coincided with, I finally watched The Mandalorian during lockdown mm-hmm. and I had to go out and buy the Razor Crest. I just had to have the Lego yep. Razor Crest. And now I've got every like system scale Mandalorian set. Okay. Um, and original trilogy. I'm not doing, I'm, I don't know. I just watched season seven of the Clone Wars for the first time. Right. And I kind of loved it. 
I, I admit that, the, that, that was my, my my dark age was like the entire i saw the clone wars movie in theaters oh so you missed out on all i of missed that. out really on sorry. the entire clone wars wow um so i watched season I, I i got up to speed on like a couple of the later seasons and then mm-hmm. watched season seven and i loved it and i was like mm, i should kind of go by i all flaws aside the aat looks pretty cool um and now the duel between ahsoka i got you yep so, so um, I'm, I'm tempted and then i watched bad batch and i was like mm, i kind of want the bad yeah, see how see how fast <laughs> it tumbles down yeah, but but, um, but as of right now it's original trilogy and mandalorian system scale sets and then tomorrow it'll be all the other ones but it's exactly. okay tomorrow <laughs> so the, my, the point, my point Starfighter. my point being um the the so how much space does your stamp collection take up quite a bit actually how much is I'm, I now I gotta know how much is quite a bit. I've probably got eight or ten bankers boxes full of stuff. What is a bankers box? Like I a um, Google that. Uh, like a file box. Um, I'm trying. I, I, I oh, on. I see. Okay, that's not that big though. It's like oh, a it's, just it's a like, cardboard like one, box. One, one of these. Yeah. yeah, you got eight of those. That's. I mean, but. And if I you keep collect them, another keep, stamp. Keep, it's just another, another exactly. But it's not that. Like it's a corner of a room. Basically. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, like it's, in, the, it's in the office. It's out of what? Okay, I see. With Lego, it's kind of this like forever battle. Also, with keeping it clean, that's a whole other thing, uh, <laughs> dusting and everything. But um, point being, you know, if you're going to collect Lego Lifetime, like this, this that you see back here is is just a sliver of my collection, right? Or mm. at least uh, for people, I guess that might not see it otherwise. You should get a quick view of everything I've gotten here, real quick. Yeah. Um, I have basically a whole storage unit and a whole nother room out in the garage, completely full with stuff. Like it is a, it is a thing. And I, I'm kind of curious how it's going to affect the sales of Lego maybe 10 years from now. Um, because like the only thing that can affect stamp collecting is like stamp collecting and like the ebbs and flows of that. But with Lego, I kind of see this point for a lot of people that could happen within the next five to 10 years where they just have too much. And it's mm-hmm. like you can't because it because a lot of these items take up a pretty significant amount of space. Um, you know, you can only get shelves so many times until you're just out of space. Like it, space is finite in in your house. You know what I mean? And like you're gonna run out of space eventually. And so I just kind of wonder if people hit this point here soon. Like I've already hit the point. I just I just delay it by I basically have this uh, concept of manifest destiny in my house where I'm just taking over every room here. Um, Cause I still have my parents. I'm trying to move out, but it is tough. So uh, like, it's just manifest destiny until then. My brother just moved out to college. I, you know, there, there might be a whole corner <laughs> stuff in there already, you know, like <laughs> just going to happen. So like, it's, I think, I think for a lot of people though, that don't do, do it the same way I do. Um, you might hit a point where it's like, just you, you get too much and you start to sell some of it and you might just completely drop it or just, can you know sell as you go and just get just enough to have the space for the next thing and i just kind of wonder how that affects the market but that is something to be seen in That's five a good years point. You, even if you invest in an expensive stamp it is going to go in a, a binder and yeah. be out yeah. of the way whereas it just doesn't you... take up that much space yeah no it's put a, a stamp on sliver yeah, yeah. exactly yeah it's conceptually way different. I, I find that interesting too, of like how, how easy it is to collect a ton of stamps, right? And keep it generally pretty clean and organized versus- You can keep it out of sight and out of mind for the yeah. most yeah. part. Whereas, yeah, a Lego set is going to be- You get consumed by this stuff. It, it is taking over real easy. So 
yeah, but that was that's what I wanted to bring up because I thought it was that's interesting. A, it, it, it is interesting. Yeah. I, I, I recently moved. I bought a house a couple of months or well, I guess six months ago or so. Congrats. And, um, thank you. And and one the closet in my office is going to be my uh, Lego closet. Uh, I'm going to put all shelving and everything in, but I'm looking at the size of the closet and I'm like, it's going to be it's going to be a tight fit already. And that's before, <laughs> uh, you know, I've only been back in it for what, a year and a half now. So uh, I've got the cantina on the floor of my office because I don't know where to put that. Thing. Yeah, see, that is the, that is what I'm talking about. You will just run out of space real quick and then you'll you'll compromise with yourself. Be like, all right, I'll just put another shelf here. And then yeah. all of a sudden you got a whole room and then you end up like me with three rooms and now your brother's room and it's not good so <laughs> it's an obsession but well ryan thank you so much for for joining us I, yes sir leading up to this i've been thinking what is it about lego star wars that what are the lines that the connections i can draw between like five-year-old me i remember getting i got it would have been august of 99 when i got luke's land speeder for my mm -hmm. birthday it was the first lego That's crazy. set i remember yeah I was, I was i was like the perfect age i was turning six that year and I got that original Luke's Lance. I think I actually got two of them from different relatives because that was like the, that was like the, the cheap one that you could get the kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 from there, you know what? I, I didn't start collecting stamps until I got to college. But I see a lot of similarities. You open a Lego set. There's a huge pile of bricks, and you have to assemble them and provide order and reason to them to turn it into mm -hmm. something recognizable and lovable. And I think it's the same thing with stamps. I get you know even if it's not my collection, I sell other people's stamps. But you yeah, get a yeah. box in full of stuff. And you have to go through that box and you have to make sense of it. You have to turn it into something that is um, usable, I guess. You know, again, right. I, I think mm -hmm. that that sort of that, that process of, um, uh, you know, taking all these little pieces and turning them into something that's much bigger than the sum of its parts is, again, at least in my in my mind, that's sort of the, the common link between six-year-old me with luke's land speeder and 28-year-old me uh, that's pretty cool in an auction house so yeah I, again I, I i i love comparing and contrasting um legos and stamps michael we have to get down to brick fair virginia uh since we're both on the east coast sometime yeah um oh, this, yeah. it was, it was the weekend of it was the weekend of westpex this year which is why i wasn't there <laughs> um but but one of the we, we let's go to a lego show at some point and uh again i, I just i hope this opened up stamp people to this whole other world that's out there of yeah and hopefully i'll be able to have some people come your way i, I was gonna say I, I i think i think we'd both be surprised how many um sort of like uh hidden collectors you know how many yeah, i was very surprised I, I was very surprised when i got my email from you i'm like a stamp channel that's cool <laughs> interesting <laughs> I, I, different I, I i'm sure there's a lot of stamp collectors who have grandchildren who collect legos and i'm sure there's yeah. a lot of lego collectors who have grandparents who collected stamps and oh, yeah. it all it all comes from the same place i think that no matter what it is we're collecting, it's the same sickness and compulsion that, that drives <laughs> us. Jesus. So again, thank you for thank uh, you so much. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, to join thank us. you guys for inviting me. It was an absolute yeah. blast. I didn't. I, I the world of stamps is very very interesting and unique. Like, comment, Thanks. subscribe, everybody. Uh, it was great to meet you guys. Thank you so much. I'd love to maybe do this again in like five years when I have collected my first stamp and <laughs> done. You can see see where the world of lego collecting is gone and, and if you're ever up in new york let me know seriously i i definitely will be eventually i don't know when but maybe next summer or something because i definitely need to get back into i haven't been there in 10 years so it's been a while <laughs> <laughs> well again yeah. or at a show or something it would be great to oh, yeah. uh, great to thank you in yeah, definitely so for, we'll, we'll, definitely we'll keep for virginia next year done all right awesome thank you guys so much I thanks appreciate so much it. ryan Have a thank fun you one. yes Michael, thank you for indulging, um, like five <laughs> five year old me, um, you know, with with Yoda's yeah. lightsaber here.
Um, yeah. If I knew that I was going to get to have a stamp podcast where I could talk about Lego Star Wars for like an hour, <laughs> um, that's just a dream come true. So, so again, I, I hope this episode was interesting to people. I realize it's not our usual thing. We're not changing this into a Lego podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, but, but I think it was fun to branch out for once and you know um, talk to no, somebody I, who's totally I learned unrelated a lot. And to I, stamps. I liked that when when you brought up that people say young kids don't want to collect anymore. They're not interested in collecting. He, he scoffed. I mean, it's, yeah. the, he's in this completely different world he's where making a living collecting things. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Where, where he's talking about people who are 12 to what was the demographic? 12 to 24. It's are his the biggest majority yeah. of the people collecting tangible like things, those. physical yes. things Yeah, that cost money. I, and they require that... manual assembly. It's such, yeah. Legos are such an old fashioned mm-hmm. uh, thing in my opinion. And the fact that there's still such a fervor and an interest in them, I think is, yeah. um, I think it's really heartening. Yeah. Yeah. Something just as tactile as stamps. And if you were interested in anything he said about Legos, uh, I cannot recommend MNR Productions highly enough. We'll put links in the bio. Mm-hmm. His channel is very entertaining. I watch everything he puts out. Um, so, so uh, just a huge thank you again to yeah. Ryan for, for joining us. Yeah, please let us know your your thoughts on the difference and similarities between stamp collecting and Lego collecting, baseball and card collecting. And do you have any Lego sets? And, yeah. <laughs> you if you have a Lego, Lego set, set, let us know. Is this something that interests you? Yeah. Um, no, but it, it's an interesting topic of conversation to talk about uh, youth coming into collecting entirely and, and how to bring them into philately itself. It's Absolutely. Uh, I hope no, my, again... I really enjoyed this. Thank you again. I know when I yeah. pitched this to you, you thought I'd lost my mind that I was like, let's bring this Lego guy on. But I, I, I do hope this was interesting to people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for those listening, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, YouTube, obviously, and flatlypodcast at gmail.com, flatlypodcast.com. I think that's, uh, I think, I that's, think that's everything. Uh, they're Twitters, um, Michael J. Court. And Charles L. Epting uh, yeah. on Twitter. And uh, again, Michael, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this one. Selfish. See you next time. Sounds good. See you next week. Bye.